Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the M&M Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger. Along with me is my co-host, Chase McCallum. And we've got a bunch of stuff to break down today. We're going to look at the round one uh, recap. And then we are going to also take a look at round two and our predictions and what series we're most looking forward to and if there's any we're not really looking forward to. So with that being said, let's get right into it. Let's start with a round one recap. So we had, first of all, I guess I should ask, how is your bracket looking? Uh, pretty terrible. How many series did you get right? I got Boston over Toronto in seven. And then did you get any Blues mi- minus over the Jets. games? I don't really care about those. I say I had Boston right. So you went two out of eight. Yeah. I had four out of eight, but the problem is both my Stanley Cup final teams, I'm pretty sure, are out, and Pittsburgh was in my Eastern Conference final and they're out. St. Louis is the only one that I have in a conference final that is still in. Me too. I can't remember if I put them in the cup final or conference final. It was one of the two and they're out. But I think I had them in the conference final. I picked the Canes and the Stars, so that alone has pretty much put me into first place in almost all my bracket <laughs> pools right now. Yeah, it's not bad. Um, yeah, like I feel like there, there's no one who has even close to a perfect bracket that was doing this seriously. And if, if you do, it's a problem. Yeah, if you honestly <laughs> said you saw for the first time in any pro sports history that all four division winners were going to lose the first round, uh, this has never happened before in any sport, North American sport. Uh, I don't really know what to tell you. Like, maybe you're a time traveler. I um, guess so. Yeah, like, I just, there's not much other than that. Uh, I mean, good for you if you just picked some wild upsets, but... Having Columbus, Carolina, Colorado, and Dallas all go on is a little wild. And even Saint, like teams like St. Louis, I would say, is a bit crazy, too, in just terms of if you're going to pick upsets, then St. Louis is another three seed that is technically an upset, yes. if you want to look at it that way. Definitely the year of the upset. Yeah, and um, so I guess, I mean, we don't really need to talk much about the series sweeps. I feel like we've already mentioned those with Pittsburgh and... Uh, Columbus. We've already kind of talked about those. Game 7, Boston-Toronto. It was very not that entertaining game. I'm not going to lie. I mean, we watched together. I just didn't think it was all that thrilling. It was pretty disappointing. Especially considering what followed it. We'll get to that in a second. But, uh, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's not like it was ever, like, out of reach. But it also just didn't really always feel like... It didn't really... As soon as Boston scored, it didn't really feel like they were in much danger. If Once Boston sense. had the the yeah. lead, even like Toronto, I think was came back and made it two one going into the third. Yeah, or sorry, it was a three one goal, or it was just yeah. Well, like even like even up one nothing, I was like, okay, like are we gonna believe Toronto's gonna come back from this? I just I don't know. Like even like two, they were going down two one. Was it into the third or right at the end of the second? And it was just like okay, like I don't, I still don't have a ton of faith in this Toronto team. Like they just haven't looked amazing. And sure enough, Boston comes out, scores a few, and Toronto puts on some insane pressure, but can't get anything done because it's just too late. And uh, one of the biggest talking points right now, I guess, is Mike Babcock. Will he be back? You know, Patrick Marlowe played, I think, some of the most in that series. Game six, Patrick Marlowe, when they were chasing a goal, played the third most with five minutes left or something like that. Zach Hyman played the third most in game seven, despite having a torn ACL. More than Austin Matthews. That was like one of the things I haven't seen brought up much, but that seems insane to me. That also seems insane. The fact that Zach Hyman with a torn ACL is even playing seems insane to me when you have Nick Patan sitting in your press box. Um, There's very few people I think should be playing with a torn ACL that are actually better than the guys you have on the sideline. I'm going to be honest, I didn't even know it was possible to play 
professional I'm, sports with a torn ACL. Yeah, like I have a strain on one of my ligaments in my knee, and I hate even walking around because it hurts. I don't know how you can skate and play in the NHL. Like I just, I get they probably put a, a, a ton of freezing stuff on it and just make it so you can't feel it. But I mean, to give you kind of an idea, like he's got to get surgery now. He's out for six months. So maybe it wasn't the greatest idea to be playing on that for four games. Yeah, I feel like if you're out for six months with any sort of injury playing through, it was probably not a good idea. Yeah, and I mean, like, Sean Couturier did the same thing in Game 7 last year, and he scored three or four goals. But I would much rather that because he's Sean Couturier, not Zach Hyman. I yeah. mean, no offense to Zach Hyman, but when you're, what, eighth best forward or something like that, seventh maybe is playing with a torn ACL, maybe it's just time to take him out. Like, I'll probably, I, I will definitely hear the argument that you want Zach Hyman in your lineup over Nick Patan if they're both healthy. Yeah, for sure. But Zach Hyman with a torn ACL versus a healthy Nick Patan, I know which one I'm taking. It's not Zach Hyman. No. That seems insane to me. And it's not, this is not a Babcock thing. All sport, or all hockey teams have this. It's the okay. stupid warrior mentality. It's the same reason, not the same reason, but, you know, even kind of same idea as the Ironman streak with Patrick Marlowe. As to why he wouldn't take like six or seven games off this year to rest himself up. I get people aren't going to like that. But I mean, at the end of the day, especially when it comes to playoffs and playing hurt. I mean, there's just some stupid ones. Like Patrice Bergeron (laughs) played with a punctured lung back in 2011 or 2013. Like you could literally die from that. The more you think about that one, the more like wrong that sounds. Yeah, like no, I think you said it the other night. No workplace yeah. should ever let... Like, the government should get involved with that. <laughs> yeah, so that's... I was like, I almost think there should be some sort of regulation there. Yeah, like... Like, that's that's, a, that's crazy to yeah, me. Yeah, it's... I just... I, I don't know. Like, I just can't... I don't know. I guess, it, yeah, like, the warrior mentality or whatever is fetishized and... Yeah, and I mean... It does make for a cool story, but you kind of got to ask if it's worth it. Yeah, kind of. It does make for a cool story, again, but at the end of the day, like, if I'm a Toronto fan, I'm going, okay, like, we could have had a... Well, maybe taking Zach Hyman out isn't the change of the series, but, I mean, we could have had a better... We could have had a better chance to win with five games of a healthy Nick Batan versus Zach Hyman playing on one knee. Yeah, I didn't think Hyman was bad either. It's just that... No, I didn't either, but... I can't imagine it's, like, the good long-term solution no. to be playing him with a torn ACL. And, like, you know, when I tried to... Because when it came out, I tried thinking of when I noticed him. I was like, I didn't notice him doing anything necessarily bad, but... You usually don't. No, I just didn't notice him doing anything good either. But, I mean, that's kind of what he does, that's, I guess. That's Zach Hyman. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it's just... It's crazy to me. I think when it comes to Mike Babcock, there are some very, very uh, fair questions about him. Patrick Marlowe should not be playing the third most amount when you're trailing by a goal five minutes left. In an elimination game seven, Austin Matthews should not be playing 18 minutes. You rest that guy all year. This is when it's the ma- the time matters to go with him. I will totally understand having an argument that, especially when you're in Toronto and you have six or seven very, very good forwards, that you can pl- only play them 18 minutes a game throughout the season. But you do that so they're fresh for the playoffs. And when they're fresh for the playoffs, you run them 22, 23, 24 minutes a night. Frederick Gauthier should not have touched the ice in the third period. And yeah, he, maybe give him one shift yeah, or whatever. And he gas, played, I think, but... yeah, or he could play PK. And yeah. they, but they didn't take a penalty, and he played a playoff high time. 
in his career. I think he played almost nine minutes. Yeah, that was the worst. Is like I actually thought the fourth line played really well that game, but there just gets to a point where Frederick Gauthier's shots aren't worth as much as Austin Matthews' shots. Well, yeah, so and I would argue kinda... that the fourth line played well, but it wasn't because of Frederick Gauthier. Well, no, it Warren was Ennis because played of the well, but yeah. like, again, just double shift Matthews into that or Tavares. Yeah, just say okay, one of you go on with these two because it's not like that's not a line that wouldn't work. Like, Moore and Ennis aren't bums. They could definitely play with Matthews for a 45-second shift here and there. Yeah. I just, yeah, like, I, I like that he finally gave Moore and Ennis more shifts, but it shouldn't come at the cost of also giving Gauthier more shifts so you take away from your top two centermen. Yeah, he finally put Nylander with them with, like, seven or six minutes left, I want to say, but at that point it was just too little too late, obviously. There's just there was, There was a lot of very questionable issues. I don't think it's he should be fired because at the end of the say, day... I think it still has to fall on Nazem Kadri. Uh, Nazem Kadri for this series, I still believe that could tip it. Uh, that was their big strength was center depth coming in. And Babcock had a quote about how you can't move Nylander around because Kadri's out. While there is something to that, I think you still probably should have found a way to get Nylander up to line one in game six or seven, uh, especially in the final period when you were trailing by a goal. Yeah. Um, but th- it is very it's true that tough though. Yeah, once you have no Kadri, to find a way to get Nylander with Matthews and make a competent third line. When that was your easy. game plan going in, was we got the center depth, we got the forward depth, we're just gonna out like kill them on our depth. Uh, and your center depth takes a round one suspension for something just idiotic. Yeah, I mean the blame needs to fall on Kadri as far as I'm concerned. Babcock isn't. Uh, rid of it by any means he needs to take his fair share and i think there's a lot of questions that need to be asked this summer um i again i've defended babcock i think he's a good very good coach what i will say is 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 he the right guy for this team and it's fair to wonder that which is somewhere i didn't think we'd be when babcock was hired or even a year or two in and i mean I, i think you look at what kyle dubas is trying to do and how babcock wants to coach it it's two totally different things and um, I, I do wonder if maybe they look somewhere else. I, I don't think it's going to be this summer. I think it'll probably be next year if Babcock still stays. Uh, yeah. You know, and again, there's no reason to not have been playing. I get Gardner was hurt and he didn't look great, but there's no reason to be playing Ron Hainsey the third most. Did Hainsey get the third most ice time? I believe he did when I checked. That might have been before Game 7, but I think at 5v5... He was close in total. He was up there. Yeah, he was third at 5-on-5. Yeah, that's just unacceptable. Travis Dermott couldn't have been that hurt. Dermott and Gardner both didn't look good. No, uh, Gardner for sure looked like he was hurting when he turned. But, I mean, did Ron Hainsey look real good? I don't think so. No, I haven't walked away from many Leafs games this year and thought, wow, Ron Hainsey looks good. Yeah, like... I don't. I just find it unacceptable that you know for the second straight year there wasn't a ton of changes made, and this was like this. I'm sorry, this Toronto team looked much better than a Boston team on paper. I think they were the better team in the series. Like, I mean, just I, the, I get you of the Berger online, but the Tavares line, Tavares, Marner, Kadri. I know Kadri took himself out of the series. Matthews, Nylander, Kapanen, Janssen up front. I guess Boston's got some good players as well. Char- the the additions they made of Johansson and Charlie Coyle at the deadline were really really big. I will admit that. Like th- those guys ended up being big in Game Seven and Game Six as well. But I mean, I just like to me, it's unacceptable to just not only to lose. I mean, maybe maybe this series is a little more acceptable because I feel like at the end of the day, yes, Toronto lost Game Six and Seven. 
they had three series leads in this, and they did look very good at times. Yeah, going into Game 6, I thought the narrative was about to be that Babcock was seemed to be good in the series. Yeah. Well, like, I and, thought it was mainly positive around him until Game 6 and 7. Yeah, and I don't know... It was... It was weird because I felt like when, as soon as both coaches got on the road, they did way better. Yeah, Same they with beat Bruce themselves. Cassidy. Yeah, like yeah. I feel like at home they just both overthought it and it just really backfired for both of them. But, yeah, you had Cassidy playing his fourth line against Taveras. Yeah, like, um, if you want to play your worst players against the Leafs' best line, you're more than welcome to do that. Yeah, like uh, so. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's I don't think I think there are definitely some questions to be answered. I think it's a little unacceptable. In, in a sense that you have all this skill and you still haven't made it out of the first round. But at the same time, I mean, Boston's a very good team. so And it's not like this Toronto team played horribly. That's the other thing. It does take away from Boston a little bit. Because even if Toronto did everything right, they still could have lost. Because Boston is really, really good. Yeah, I mean, there are there were some times where Anderson really had to stand on his head this series. I think the, the biggest problem with Toronto for me was consistency. Uh, when they won, they looked very good. Uh, it's the same the, thing with Boston. Both yeah. teams oh, yeah, looked for sure. terrible at times and great at others. Yeah, and I mean, when yeah, when Toronto won, they looked very good. It wasn't like last year. I think it was game five they won. The expected goals were like 5-2 to two in favor of Boston. Toronto won 2-1 because Anderson stood on his head. Yeah. When Toronto lost, Anderson was still standing on his head, but they looked awful. It was in the losses they looked awful. At least in the wins they looked good. So I guess maybe you say that's an improvement. I know it like... This is the last year that all the rookies were on their ELCs, so it feels like a bit of a waste to be out in seven games again after you got Tavares as well and just say, oh, well, like, let's go again next year. So I, there will be changes coming. I think we're going to let, – let's leave it at that unless okay. you have anything big to say. Just I don't think there will be as many massive changes as people think. I don't think they're going to I – mean, we can get into it. I, like, I, I feel like they no matter what, they were going to have to move stuff. It's kind of like Tampa Bay. No matter what, they were going to have to move stuff to find cap space. And I think yeah. that's still going to be the same thing. True, but they're not trading Milan. No, uh, no. I, I think you're. Like yeah, you're someone who. It, I don't know. It's weird the people who say they need to trade Nylander because those are the watch the game people, and if you just watch the game, you would see he's doing everything right. Yeah. So. And included in that, I don't think they're firing Babcock. No, I would be surprised uh, unless. At the end, like, at least uh, the only situation I could see is in the summer, Dubas goes, okay, we need you to coach this way. I'm giving you these guys. And Babcock just goes, no. Yeah. No, I'm not doing that. But you have to be so sure that Keefe is going to be a great coach. Yeah. Well, and let's get into that in another podcast. I think we just spent almost 15 minutes on this. Uh, let's go to the next game seven. This absolutely wild. Uh, I do feel bad for Vegas fans. Vegas up three goals. Uh, Cody Eakin takes a penalty because he, he cross-checked a guy off the face-off. The guy fell into, uh, Pavelski fell into Statsny, cracked his head off the ice and was bleeding. None of the refs saw it, but just saw blood. So they're like, all right, we'll give him a five. San Jose then scores four on that five-minute power play. Vegas storms back to tie it, but San Jose wins it in overtime. The refs screw Vegas out of a series. Like, I know we were both watching it. This was probably the most insane eight minutes of hockey I've ever watched in my life. Yeah, this was nuts. I I think it's totally fair to say that Vegas got screwed. I also think it's fair to say at what point do you expect Vegas to just make a stop on the penalty kill? Yes. Uh, I mean, at the end, like, there's no way that that penalty ever should have been a thing. So it's kind of like a chicken and the egg situation, right? Yeah, like, I don't think they deserve to lose the series. Because they obviously got screwed by the refs here, but I also think their penalty kill was unforgivably bad. Yeah, there. like, yeah. At the end of the day, like, 
It's four goals on the PK. Like, bad calls happen. It's four goals on the PK in four minutes. Yeah. Four goals in a game would be considered disastrous, let alone under five minutes. And, I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm, so I put a lot of thought into this because I was kind of, that night, I was like, ooh, maybe we'll see reviews to five-minute majors. Do you know how bad of an idea that would be? You think so? I think it would be horrible. I don't think it would be. Why? So if we put five-minute majors in for this, one thing that we just saw happen that we barely ever see happen, you know what situation that sounds a lot like? The offside reviews. Offside reviews. And so Puck Soup had a big conversation about this, and it was kind of, okay, so if we do fives, what's to stop them from calling everything a five and then going to check and just wasting a ton of time? Also, if we call fives, what about Puck over the glass? We could review some of the two minutes because that's black and white. And then also, okay, but if we're reviewing some of the two minutes, why don't we just do all of the two minutes? It's just a never-ending spiral. Well, I think that's like the slippery slope fallacy. But like, like you at the can same just time, stop it there. But we've seen it so many times where we don't. Yeah, but it doesn't have to be that way. Like, it's not like just because you review fives, you have to open it up to reviewing twos. You but have like, it in you your know power that, to You know the stop. exact next argument is going to be, okay, if we're reviewing fives... Uh, why would we not look at a black and white two for like puck over the glass? Because that could be a game changer as well. I don't think that would be the worst idea either, though. I just don't think it's necessary because I feel like we've already had enough challenges in. If we want to have these rules, let the refs call it. How many times have you seen a ref blow that bad of a five-minute call? I can't think of anything. Maybe the worst call. I I've can't ever think seen. of anything like that. I mean, there was one in the Caps Kane series where I think it was Furlan hit a guy pretty hard, and they thought it was in the head. And so he got a five. Even that, I'm okay with. I don't even think you need to challenge that. It was a high-speed, hard hit. If the refs thought they saw a head hit, let them see a head hit. But if we have, like, video review, I don't think it's the worst idea for the refs to just be able to, like, hey, didn't see what happened there. I'm going to go check it out. Like, maybe. But I don't, like, I just feel like it's going to cause way more problems than we expect. Like, I don't think it has to. It's just... But like if you I miss mean, something. offside reviews didn't have to either. Well, yeah, that's a tad unnecessary. Like, like, I, not... I don't think you should get... Maybe coaches' challenges is the problem there. But I don't think offside reviews have to be a good thing for this to be a good thing. Maybe, but like, it's just... I don't... Like, I just... How many times do we have to get burned by adding more review that is absolutely disastrous to what it ends up trying to be before we go, okay, maybe more review isn't good? I guess. Like, yeah. I just... I don't know. We haven't had too many good review things. Even goal, goal thunder interference, in my opinion, has actually gotten better in a bit. I, I think the this year was okay. The playoffs were wild. The Matthews goal not getting called back was in Game 5 was insane. Yeah, I'm still kind of lost on goal Yeah, but I mean, like, at least I can kind of get the idea that for the main part now, it's like, unless they're very clear that it's goal thunder interference, they're just not going to call it, which is, I think, what the rule was brought in to do. Yeah, that makes Which sense. is fair enough. But even then, like, I don't like, there's sometimes where we just watch a four-minute goaltender interference call. It's like, all right, like, and then it ends up being the same call anyways. You're like, uh, good, I'm really happy for that. Like, Yeah, I guess. I, I, I don't know. I just... I don't really get that upset. I don't get upset. Like, it's just like, I'd rather n- not do this. Like, yeah. I just don't think it's great. Like, No, I don't think it's great, but I don't know. I don't think it's that bad. I, I just don't, I don't think it's good enough to justify, hey, let's try and bring even more review into the league. That's fair. I, I don't know. I don't think it's great. I think there's way more problems that people are thinking about now. I also think it's kind of like the Matt Duchesne situation where one very insane situation happens and we try and 
make up for that by making the the challenge or not challengeable, but a review. And in all reality, we don't need it that much. Do you think the refs want more review? I doubt it. You don't? I don't like. I mean, so what a review is is telling them they're wrong. Yeah, but do you think they would want the ability to be able to go look at that? It's bad. Like in the NBA, it works very well. I will admit that. The NBA, like, they can review anything in the last five minutes. It'll be like a touch ball to see who gets it, and they'll go straight to review it to make sure they get the right call. I did but not know that. I think in the NHL, like, I don't, like, refs have such big egos at times. I hate to say that. Like, I am a ref, but how many times have you seen a ref just call something because he's mad at the team? Well, you see it with, like, makeup calls. Yeah, like, it's like happened that. all the time. Like, I don't know. I feel like... Like, I feel like there are definitely times where they'd want it to happen, but at the same time, I feel like the, even them would probably not use it as much as we think they might, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I could see that. Like, I, I would definitely buy that argument. Yeah, like, I don't know, like, I think it would be fine, I guess, if you added it in for just five minutes, but again, like, I just, how many five minutes did you see this year? None. But, like, I I don't think it'd be a bad fail-safe to have. Maybe. As long, like, use it, don't abuse it. I guess, but that's never what happens, and we know that. No, but it doesn't have to be that way. But again, we've said that with everything, and it has been that way, right? Like, I just don't trust the league to actually do it right. Like, I'm just trying to, I think I maybe saw three five-minute calls in the whole regular season. There was a bunch of these playoffs. I'm sure there were a ton, but... Yeah, I'm sure there was enough, but, I mean, even the right, like... For how many there were these playoffs, I don't think there was that many per game in the regular season. I think we saw, what, three or four in the playoffs this year? Yeah, this seemed to be a lot. There was Caudry, one in the Canes game, one in that one, and maybe another one that I was I forget about. But like that that's a lot. I, I just feel like we're trying we're gonna try and overcorrect for it. And uh, again, like I think the, the other thing is so when you do the review, do you use it so you go five to two, or could you make something two to five? Like, where's the rule here? Do you just go, oh, that might be a five, should I look at it? Or do you go, okay, I'm calling this a five, I'm only going to be able to move it back to two minutes. And then if they call a two minute, even though it should have been a five, do you just leave it at that? Well, I'd say if you have the luxury of video review, you could do whatever you want with it. I guess, but like, again, doesn't that lead to like, we could review any penalty we want? And I just, I don't think that's a good idea. Like, a human error is going to happen in a hockey game. I'm fine with it happening. Yeah, that's fair. I'm on team, just get it right. But, yeah, I don't know. You I'd do rather, have to accept some human error. I would much rather <clears throat> too, a human error for a hooking call or something than them taking a minute to try and review and see if they got it right. I'll be totally honest about that. Like, I don't think reviews for minor penalty, even puck over glass, I mean, I think the puck over glass rule is dumb. I think it's, I get what... It makes sense. It's if just you're trying annoying. to do it purposely, but how many times have you seen a guy just flick the puck over the glass purposely? And maybe it happened years ago. I don't know. I think it did. Yeah. And it makes sense as like a deterrent, but now no one actually does it on purpose. So. Yeah, and another thing from Puck Soup is they're saying, well, make it a judgment call. And they go, oh, we well, can't make something so black and white a judgment call. And I think it was Sean <laughs> said, yes, you can. I mean, knocking the net off is a delay of game penalty if they think you did it on purpose. That's a judgment call. I mean... Yeah, true. If you really think that someone just turned around and flicked the puck over the glass, call it a penalty. But, I mean, like 90% of the time, it's just someone who whiffed on a puck or who tried putting it a stretch pass way up that just didn't happen. Yeah, they go for a big dump out or whatever. And I just don't think that should be a penalty. I think that should be an icing back to your end. You can't change or whatever. That's fair. I just don't see how that should be a penalty. 
even if you purposely flick the glass. Like, no, I guess if you purposely did it. If you purposely flick it. But, like, it, if you purposely flip it anywhere, like, you could, if you were, for some reason, dead tired in the offensive zone, and you just took the puck and chucked it over the glass, that's a delay a game. That's two minutes. Yeah, that's what... For purposely doing it. Yeah. Like, even not in your end. So, I, I don't know. I, I think that's a dumb penalty. I just don't think you need reviews for that kind of stuff. If you want to say maybe is a safeguard for five minutes... I could maybe, if you really have the right, as long as you know what you're doing ahead of time. But even then, like, I feel like this was such a rare situation that it's going to be like the Matt Duchesne situation all over again, where you're just overcorrecting to try and make fix one mistake that never really happens. Yeah, that's fair. I just think it'd be a decent failsafe, and then there's a slippery slope, just don't dive down it. Yeah, but we know the NHL it. will. Yeah, the they issue. probably like, would. We know the NHL will. They always do. They, they love to do that. They probably would. So, knowing the NHL, but... Yeah. I know. So, uh, I guess we should note, uh, mm-hmm. for all the people who say there's never any accountability for the refs, uh, the guys who did Game 7 both aren't doing the rest of the playoffs. I think the one guy, I forget his name, this is the first time in, like, 11 years or something he's missed a conference final. Oh, really? Yep. That sucks. Um, and then the guys who did Game 2 of Toronto also are not refing another playoff game this year. So, for all the... There is no accountability. Here it is. This is fair accountability. Absolutely. Uh, I don't want to hear any more about the they can do whatever they want because it's not true at all. Yeah, and they made a huge mistake when it matters most. So and they're getting they're punished. getting barely punished <clears throat> for it. That's perfectly reasonable. Yeah, they're not getting fired, which is fair. Yeah, they're firing just, them would no. probably be a tad extreme. They're just they're getting punished for it, and I don't have any problem with that. So. Yeah, I think that's perfectly reasonable. Let's get in after twenty five minutes of talking. Let's get into the actual second round preview. Mm-hmm. Let's just start with the San Jose one. So uh, this probably should have been Vegas, Colorado, or. Uh, yeah, Vegas, yeah Colorado, Colorado, but it's not. So, good for San Jose. And I, I will say, absolutely credit to San Jose for taking advantage of a golden opportunity. Again, to as much problem as there is with uh, Vegas letting in four in four minutes, San Jose taking advantage of that, taking the momentum and scoring four in four a five-minute power play is insane. Yeah, it was amazing. And also, stop with the BS of they tried harder because Pavelski <laughs> was the one who hit his yeah. Losing one of your best players does not make your team better. <laughs> They wouldn't have scored five if it was anyone else on the yeah. ice. was, like, the worst take. I've... Stupid. Yeah. But anyway, San Jose versus Colorado. Uh, game one's tonight. We're recording this after <laughs> St. Louis has played, and also Boston has played their game one. So we have a bit of an advantage. But uh, I think this could be a very interesting series. I, I didn't think Colorado-Calgary was going to be that entertaining, and it was wildly entertaining because of Colorado's high-octane offense. And with San Jose's love for high-pinching defense... I think this is going to be a uh, very fun series. Uh, Carlson was looking much better by game six and seven of last series. He was looking like he got his legs out from underneath him a little bit and uh, maybe looked even a little bit healthier, which is good. And the way McKinnon's playing, they're going to need him. Yes, and, and so this is a, this was a very, very good-looking Colorado team. If you would have told me Colorado beat Calgary, I would have just assumed Mike Smith crapped the bed and maybe Grubauer stole series. I mean, Colorado outplayed Calgary. Colorado was the better team, which I... Couldn't even have, I didn't think was all that possible. No, me either. And so all credit to them. Uh, I Again, Pavelski's day-to-day right now, so it doesn't sound like he's going to start the series. Uh, That's not good. No, not at all. I don't know who, this year, like, I, I'm very excited. I don't trust Martin Jones again is my biggest issue. <laughs> no, there is no reason to trust Martin Jones. And I mean, he tried his hardest to throw <laughs> away that game seven. Don't get me wrong. Like, yeah, he, he played, was not good. He played insane in Game 6. All credit to him. But my God, like the goals he led in Game 7 were not very good yeah, at that, all. That was not his game. No. And uh, I'm going to 
take San Jose and seven again. I'll say the same thing. I just think that they are still a very, very deep team. If Carlson is looking like normal Carlson for the whole series, uh, I think that is going to be a lot of trouble for uh, Colorado. Uh, I I do like this Colorado team. I think they're going to give them a lot of trouble. I think this could go either way, which is not something I was expecting to say about Colorado heading in. Yeah. I think San Jose is the better team by like a decent margin, but also the way these playoffs have gone. I should probably just pick Avs in five. Yeah, and what I will say is the Avs depth looked really good against Calgary. It yeah. has to do that again against uh, San Jose to be this to have the same outcome. San Jose is a very deep team. I mean, yes. I mean, the McKinnon line was a, the best line against Calgary, but the depth not getting it was they pretty much played to evens and maybe even a couple goals above, and that's all they needed. Because the McKinnon line could take over if they just played to 500 for the rest of the way. McKinnon was plus 5, minus 1 at yeah. 5 on 5. And so <clears throat> all he needs is his bottom lines to mm. just be 0, right? Like, or plus 1, minus 1, or whatever, right? Like, so, and if that doesn't happen, there's no way the Avs have a chance. And I know that's kind of a broad statement, but, I mean, that was the biggest problem I had with this Avs team coming in, is I just really didn't think their depth was all that good. Especially if they kept Ranton and McKinnon and Landeskog together. And it was funny because it was actually when they reunited McKinnon and Landis, or Ranton is when things went right for them. I mean, they started game, they lost game one and they had McKinnon and Ranton and separated. So, uh, I, I don't know. I, I think yeah. I'll go San Jose at seven. Yeah, I'll, I'll, <clears throat> I don't know why that took me so long to say. I'll agree with that. Uh, do you have anything else to say about the series? Uh, no, just stay off the power play yeah. if you're San Jose. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, so, let's stay in the West then. Game one of this uh, happened last night. St. Louis beat Dallas 3-2. Uh, close game. I didn't see much of it. We were at endgame. Uh, we're not going to give any spoilers here, but I will say, go watch it. It's That was a very, very good movie. That was an amazing movie. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to see it again as soon as it comes on any Netflix type thing. I'll probably just buy that subscription service for it. I'll probably have gone twice by the time this is out. Yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, we didn't watch much of this game, but uh, this is uh, another exciting one. Again, Dallas was a little more... I know you just don't like their roster. I think that's kind of fair, but they're a way more exciting team than I thought they would be uh, against Nashville. Nashville's a little underwhelming, but at the same time, I mean, the Dallas team was a lot of fun to watch. And uh, the the biggest thing for that was uh, how Dallas shut down the top line. And I think they're going to struggle a lot more with that here. Uh, I think the Ryan Johansson line's a lot worse than the Ryan O'Reilly, uh, in terms of centermen anyways. Yeah, the... Um, Nashville Predators don't have any centerman no. as good as Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, Victor Arvidsson went missing, which was a huge problem for Nashville because when Victor Arvidsson, Philip Forsberg are your two offensive weapons up front, and neither of them are really there. But Arvidsson, I don't know if he had a point all series. So <clears throat> yeah, Arvidsson and Forsberg were not the wrecking ball that you hope they would be. No, Nashville. And, and that was the biggest issue. <clears throat> and then Dallas's depth just kind of and the, the the biggest problem was that. Uh, uh, the Zuccarello line hard matched a lot of the time against the uh, Ryan Johansson line. Yeah, so Zuccarello was good. Yeah, it's not even that the Ryan Johansson line wasn't doing anything. It's that they weren't doing anything, and then Segan, Ben, and Radulov came on the ice after that to wreck the next lines. Which is never good. No. So uh, I think for St. Louis, I like St. Louis a lot more in this, but at the same time, the X factor comes in Ben Bishop. Ben Bishop versus Jordan Bennington is not something that makes me very happy as a Blues fan. No. Um, I, I think the Blues still have the much better team to get it done. Their skaters are better by a decent margin. Yes. Yeah, so I'm going to take the Blues in this. I'm going to go in six. 
I'll say Blues in six. I mean, I know it's kind of cheating to have uh, game one already, but uh, I mean, I would have gone with that regardless. It was pretty obviously the Blues to lose before the series even started. Yes, and I, I, I think I didn't again. I didn't watch the games. Uh, I'm assuming it probably couldn't have been that bad if the game was three two though. Unless Jordan Bennington absolutely stood on his head last night. but yeah, By the sounds of it, Tarasenko kind of took over. Yeah, so I, I mean, I'm sure it was probably a pretty good game, and that's what, you, that's what you like to see at the end of the day. I think Dallas will probably win games three and four. Take the home games. Yeah, and then I think maybe St. Louis will take it after that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Dallas outplayed them last night, so... And I mean, some of that might have been score effects because they started. Yeah, they started down pretty early. But looks like they scored on about their first shot. Yeah, yeah, it was about four minutes in. I watched that happen, and then yeah, the rest of the time they're kind of trailing until midway through, and then St. Louis scored two quick ones again after that. So yeah, I don't. I think it's uh, going to be a good series. Uh, Dallas is another team that was more exciting than I thought. That Dallas Nashville game. Seven was incredible, or game six, sorry, was incredibly fun to watch. Uh, they were just trading chances for literally like 40 minutes. Yeah, Dallas was more entertaining than I gave them credit for. Yeah, and I think uh, they're, they're going to struggle trying to, to hold the, the St. Louis depth, but uh, that, that'll be the biggest issue. If they can find a way to, again, just play to evens, uh, I, I do like their chances. Because I will probably still take, if they hard match Ryan O'Reilly to second Ben Radulov, I'm still probably going to take the second Ben Radulov line. Yeah, I think you have to there. Yeah, like I love Ryan O'Reilly, but I I just feel like the combo of the Dallas three is one of the best lines in hockey. I'd say they're probably the third best line in hockey behind Boston's and then Colorado's, Colorado's, in my opinion. This year, like this year, anyways. At five on five, I think they're better than Colorado's. Yeah, like I just, I feel like people don't realize how good Radulov was. Yeah, they're ama- he is amazing. Yeah, I mean, I was trying to tell, even Jamie Benn looked amazing in round one, and he had a down year for himself this year. And, I mean, he was still very good, obviously, but I was trying to explain to people that Radulov is now the second guy who stirs the drink on that team, maybe even the first. Like, Which is really weird. Yeah, him and Sagan are the two, not Sagan and Ben. But, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. I'm starting work next Monday, and I work at 7 a.m., so I might not get to see as much of this series as I kind of hope, but uh, I'm sure it'll be a good one. Uh, I don't have much more to say about this. No, it should be entertaining. Yeah, I, I think so as well. Uh, let's move over to the East then. We've got Boston, Columbus, another one that started uh, last night. I watched a bit of this as well. I watched the third and overtime. Boston won in overtime, 3-2. It was a pretty good game. Uh, Bobrovsky stood on his head. Uh, Boston, by the sounds of it, outplayed them pretty badly throughout the game. I was told Bobrovsky can't play in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it, I... I I said again, if he is has a down year this year but shakes his playoff narrative choker, it seems so fitting, and that looks like what's happening. Uh, this is another good series. Uh, it's also a little bit... Uh, this and the Canes one is also a little bit of uh, rest as a weapon, but to how much... Like, to what extent? Yeah, the rest narrative died pretty fast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I think, especially in the playoffs, I would, if you're winning in five or six games and the other one goes seven, you get four days off. I, I think there's absolutely something valuable to that because you get four days to rest your injured players. Yeah, the injuries is big. After round one, when you sweep a team, you have to wait for ten days to play another one? Like It was ten days? Well, I mean, New York oh. is ten days, and they're playing, I think they started the same day, so maybe nine days. Nine for days, but still. Months. But, like, yeah, like... That's so hard to get back from, in my opinion. And 
I don't know. They didn't come out the gate great yesterday. And, I mean, they still stayed with them thanks yeah. to Bobrovsky. So. I always hated just having intermissions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Never like, yeah, no. I, I always found it hard to go out after you get a flood. Like, yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, I, I these two series will definitely be... Uh, rest could be a weapon, but how much rest is too much rest? And uh, to the same extent, I mean, no doubt that the Boston guys are hurting as well. Oh, uh, for sure. And, I mean, but so they got, like, one day's rest, and then they have to play again. But then, you know... They've been playing the whole time, so maybe there's something to just keep going. Uh, I don't know who I have in this series. I think I, I got to go Boston. I think I'm going to go Boston as well. I was going to go. I could see Bobrovsky, if he, especially if he plays like he did last night. I could see Columbus taking this one again too. I think this will be a harder series for Columbus. I think they're not going to catch Boston sleeping by any means. No, I'm going to go Boston in seven though. I, I, I think this is going to be another really hard fought battle. Yeah, it should be a good series. Um. One thing I will say when it comes to the rest is if Columbus, maybe last night was just they didn't have the wheels going. If it gets to game six or seven, I would like Columbus's team that has 10 days rest over a Boston team that's been fighting for their lives with Toronto through a seven-game series to go seven again here. Yeah, if they could turn but, it into a war of attrition, that'd be a nice touch. I mean, home ice for Boston again. Uh, I don't know. I, I like Boston a little bit more, but I, I the X factor could be in goaltending again. Uh, Sergei Bobrovsky. Bishop and Bobrovsky are that yeah. good that they're the X factor in any and, series I mean, they're in. And I mean, shocker, goaltending's an X factor in the playoffs. When have we seen this? Oh, every single year. True, but um, yeah, I don't know. I I think, but I'd argue there's two teams with, like distinctly elite goaltenders left. I mean, like Robin Leonard was really really good this year too. Yeah, but maybe the system's based. But I mean, like, I would bet on Bishop and Bobrovsky. Yeah, I guess. like I wouldn't. He might be, honestly. He was that good this year. But, like, I have more faith in Bishop and Bobrovsky being elite goalies than Leonard. Oh, like, if we're talking about going forward, yes, for sure. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. This, for how weird these second-round matchups are due to all the upsets, I think there are still a lot of fun ones to watch. Uh, Which one are you most looking forward to? Probably got to be, I would probably say Colorado-San Jose. I'm not going to get to watch a whole bunch of that because it's on the West Coast. But I think that'll just be a fun, fun matchup. I agree. I don't want it to be my pick because I'm probably not going to watch a ton either with work. But yeah, like I, I don't. I so so we have both got Boston. How many games do you have Boston in? Uh, six. Uh, seven, I guess. <laughs> um, let's go to Islanders, Carolina. I, I was didn't really think this was going to be like I kind of I had bet on Carolina and they were my bracket in my bracket, so I wanted them to win. But at the same time, for storylines, Trots versus the or Washington would have been way cooler. They are jerks. There is a lot to talk about with this series in terms of styles, though. There's a kind of quantity versus quality thing you can look at where Carolina, it's very obvious that they shoot from wherever they want to. Uh, I think watching them last last series, they shot from everywhere. Outside, blue line, hash marks. They do slot. love Corsi. Yeah, like they, they game Corsi. And then you got the Islanders who were 27th in Corsi 4, but 7th in high danger Corsi 4 this year. So it was really kind of a, they chose their spots to shoot, I guess. And uh, so there's quantity versus quality. I, and that's what, that was one of the things I talked about. There was goaltending. Both teams kind of got some unexpected goaltending maybe. I mean, for sure New York. But I'd he, say it's pretty fair to say they both Yeah, did. even even Peter Morazic. I mean, I mean, he was a tandem guy. And Curtis McElhaney has the backup, or tandem guy. And uh, what was the other one? There was one more. Oh, yeah, and again, is rest too much rest a weapon? Or, like, you know, how much is too much rest? How much is so, too much? Uh, I don't I, I wrote about this series for Last Word on Hockey. Go check it out. It is a series preview, and I'll be breaking it down throughout the series. But 
uh, this is a more exciting one than I thought it was going to be. See, I'm not looking forward to this one. I'm not sold on the hockey yet, but I don't know. The one thing I'm really mad about is that the Islanders are back in Brooklyn. I'm just pissed. That made the Pittsburgh one so much more fun. And part of that was because it was Islanders-Pittsburgh, but man, like, listen to that building go as they were just decking Pittsburgh. was awesome. Oh, their building's fun. Yeah, like, it it makes the game so much more enjoyable. Yeah. And, And so I'm a little worried for that. In terms of the style of hockey... Yeah, I don't know. It, it'll be real interesting to see the shoot from everywhere thing versus the we don't shoot. Yeah, it'll be interesting because the Islanders' defensive system is like the most famous in the NHL at this point. Yeah. And the Hurricanes are just a team that overwhelms you with volume. So it'll be interesting to see how they clash. The one thing I, I, I am kind of interested in, so the Islanders love the counterattack. It was a big reason why they were so successful against Pittsburgh, too, was because Pittsburgh defense sucks. Yeah. Um. The Canes don't have a bad defense, and so I, I kind of wonder if the forecheck and the you know the counterattack, which is the Islanders' best thing, counterattacking, dumping the puck in, going in hard after the defense who can't make a breakout pass. When you have a decor that can quite clearly make a breakout pass between Hamilton, Slavin, Pessy, uh, Falk, TVR, and Dahan, when you have three pairs that could all be second pairs and one that's like an elite first pair. We're like, yeah, I'm wondering if maybe the Islanders struggle with that a little more. Yeah, I'm like Pittsburgh, the obvious way that I guess I didn't put enough stock into that they could get worn down was having no defense that could move the puck and the Islanders' four check could just grind them yeah. down. But I don't see how you do that to this Carolina team. No, I don't either. And I think one of the, the issue the other way, I think if, if the Islanders win this series, it'll be because the Canes don't have enough scores up front. To break through that. Yeah, to break through system. the defensive system and Robin Leonard. Robin Leonard was lights out against Pittsburgh. He was yeah, a huge was reason amazing. that Crosby had his first point in games four. Uh, I mean, so, it, like, I, I don't know if it's a stretch to say after a team that just shut down Malkin, Crosby, and Kessel are going to, you know, like, it, it's not a stretch to say that they might have an easier time shutting down Aho, Svechnikov, and Williams, Justin Williams, like, yeah, or Tavo Teravine, and not to like these guys are good, but like they're not the elite scorers, right? And, and so that would be the only concern, I think, not the only concern, but a concern for me for Canes uh, fans is, do they have the offensive firepower to get through and break Robin Leonard and the defensive structure? Yeah, that'll be the ultimate question. I think, it, yeah, it, that'll be the serious factor uh, decided and right there. Can Leonard keep up a 950? Because yeah, if he yeah, does nothing, no, Carolina no. does matters. No, I don't think he will keep up a 950, but I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if a 930 wasn't that bad either. I don't know. Maybe and yeah, I mean, I maybe he keeps it. up a 950 with how many damn shots the the Hurricanes <laughs> take. But, um, the fans want range. Yeah, the fans do want range. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know how... I think this is a lot, very interesting one story-wise, uh, storyline-wise. I think there's a lot to talk about, but I don't know how entertaining the series will be. I'm not all that hyped for this one. It'll be cool. Like, an underdog's making it to the third round, no matter what, yeah. out of these guys. I think it'll be... I think you're not giving enough credit. I think it'll be one of those that probably surprise, surprise you a little bit. I could see that. Um, I do like the Hurricanes. Yeah, and I mean, even the Islanders aren't... They're not... Like, yes, they're a defensive structured team. They're not a boring, that boring of a team. Like, they're not like the 17 Ottawa Senators where nothing happened. Yeah, they're not to that scale. Also, Barzell is yeah, like an absolute game breaker up front. Yeah, I mean, the Islanders, they, 
it'll be interesting. I hope a rivalry starts game one because that was what made the Pittsburgh one so fun. It was just so much hitting and stuff like that. Where it's like, even if there's not a ton of goal scoring happening, it's tight checking hockey where something could happen at any moment, right? And, and that's what really made it good. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think this one should be okay. Yeah, it should be fun. I'm, there's never really a bad series in the second round. No, I mean, like, if you made it to the second round, you're probably at least, you have decent players on your hockey team, so it's going to be fun no matter what. Yeah, you got to have something to get there. Yeah. I mean, this is the weirdest second round I've ever seen in my entire life. Oh, for sure. By far. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Who do you have in the series? Carolina and seven? I have Carolina... I don't want to pick series in four and five, especially because I, I I picked Pittsburgh in four <laughs> just because I needed a sweep and the Islanders did that to me. I, I gonna, I'll go Carolina in six. I want to say Carolina in five, but I just don't. I don't have one of these games or one of these series. I think will go five. I just don't know which don't one. Don't know which one. Like so, the Hurricanes have the better roster. I would say. Yeah. Which means I should probably be picking the Islanders in four. <laughs> yeah. But, like, again, I would the Islanders have the better goaltender this year, clearly. Oh, for sure. Like, there's a goaltender X factor in all these series. Like, there's not really one where there's a true goaltender's duel that I can see. The better goalie is on the underdog. Usually, on yeah. On every like, team, I would yeah, say. Yeah, I think so. As long as you consider, I think it's fair to call Columbus, Dallas, I, yeah. Colorado, the underdogs, and the Islanders. Yeah, maybe, maybe the not the Islanders. like, a little, no, yeah. Like, they're at least even, I would say. But, yeah, I don't know. I... I'm ready for all my picks to be exactly wrong. Did you do the second chance bracket again? No, I didn't. I, I forgot. I didn't have time to do it. So, But uh, I was like, ah, maybe I'll just save myself the misery instead. Yeah, um, I'm sure we'll be wrong about all of these. Yeah, probably. Uh, I don't know. I'm, with work starting, I'm only going to get to watch most of the Eastern Conference series, except for on weekends maybe. But I'm still excited. I think it'll be some good hockey. And uh, it, it'll be interesting because... If one of Carolina or Columbus makes it to the conference finals, that would be a cool story. Let alone both making it. That'd be funny. So, that would be really cool. Um, yeah, or or Colorado on the other side. Or like a couple hot goalies away from having like the worst teams make it to the Stanley Cup final. Do you think there's ever been an 8 versus 8 seed matchup in the Stanley Cup final? I doubt it. I doubt or in it. any sport for that matter? I, I find it hard to believe. It. But like, I don't think that'll happen. I don't see Colorado going all the way through. It's no, not me neither. Still not out of the mind, the picture to me that Columbus could go all the way through, though. God, that would be funny. Yeah. And now I, I might just start cheering for an 8 versus 8. <laughs> I want Columbus to maybe win one more round and then lose so that Ottawa still has not a bottom two draft pick in the first round. Yeah, fair But enough. I want, the thing is, if Matt Duchesne resigns with them, I want them, the, Ottawa gets another pick. So you want? So yeah. I want them to do good enough that Matt Duchesne goes. Oh my God! Yeah, I'm staying here. Um, I or they give here. Yeah, or they give a boatload of money to Matt Duchesne to stay there. Yeah, but not enough that I don't know. Like I guess going to the third round, regardless, is going to ruin your pick, but because it's going to be top four or bottom four, bottom I guess, four. in the round, yeah. first round. At but. this point, there's probably not a ton of change between no. the twenty second and yeah. I just want Matt Duchesne to resign. Whatever. So whatever that takes, I will take the little bit of downgrade if that means a. Uh, new first or uh, first round pick, right? So fair enough. Yeah. So who are you cheering for, Columbus? Then probably. I don't like Boston either. No, I don't. I, I don't really know why I don't like that. I don't like. Ottawa's never had a rivalry with Boston. I just don't like them. They're a very hateable team. You think I like them though, or at least tolerate them because they put Toronto and Montreal out year after year. It felt like 
Yeah, there's just something about Boston. Yeah, like, they're just a bunch of rats, really. Like, And they're just really, really good, too. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't hate Boston. I just, I, I like cheering against them. It's fun. They are a fun team to cheer against. I like to say, I want to see Carlson. Yeah, that's oh, a good I'll one. see Carlson. St. Louis, I have going to the Cup Finals, I think, or Conference Finals. I'll cheer for them as well. Uh, and then Carolina, obviously. So I, I think I would go Columbus, Carolina, St. Louis, San Jose. Yeah, I, I think that might have been the teams I just picked to win. No, not Columbus. I didn't pick Columbus to win. But, I, I mean, those those would be the four teams I want to see move on. And then after that, I really don't care. I mean, I don't really care. The only two teams I don't want to see win are Boston and New York. Oh, and geez. no offense to any, if any New York fans are out here, but the fans would be insufferable. I also just don't like when people get rewarded for bad decisions. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> That's also fair. And the Komarov, Kunakl. Philpula, Martin. Like At the same time, it could be fun to see your rivals do that same kind of thing, trying to build New York Islanders of 2019 just to fail miserably. That would be pretty funny. So. Just set the absolute worst example you can and yeah, I don't have know. the rest of the league copy it. I would just rather them not win because I think their fans would be annoyed. Like The the narrative of John Tavares actually made the team worse would be something I'm not here for. No, that'll be really annoying. So I'm sure it'll already be out there now that they're in the second round. But. Probably. Um... The only other thing I had written down here is Thatcher Demko signed a contract extension. Two years, $1 million per. Really good deal, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, good for him. I think he'll tandem with Jacob Markstrom for another year, then see what they want to do with Markstrom. And after that, yeah, I think he'll be the starter if uh, he shows that he's ready. Yeah, it looks like that's the long-term plan anyways. And I think that's a smart long-term plan. I mean, he looks pretty good. And, uh, yeah, I just figured that he's a notable signing. We could say something. I don't have much to say on it, if I'm being honest. No, goalies with his uh, record in the AHL are far from a sure thing, but they're also pretty good bets Yeah, as far as starting goalies go. I mean, he's looked good all through junior as well, so I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it'll be interesting to see this Vancouver team next year. Uh, if they can add some more stuff, maybe this offseason as well. And they have a little more work to do, but they're definitely the, the outline of a team that looks at least decent is starting to come through. That's for sure. Yeah, they have the stars in place anyways. Uh, a full year Quinn Hughes next year will be a lot of fun. Um, uh, and, again, like, it's kind of sucks that only Ulevi didn't work out. Or hasn't worked out how they hope. Because Ulevi and Quinn Hughes on that blue line could be insane. Yeah, that could have been great. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I just, I don't know, I haven't heard much about him. It doesn't sound like he's going to be the, definitely not the top pair, even maybe top four guy they thought he was going to be, so. It doesn't sound like they're ready to give up on him, but it no, also doesn't and, seem like I mean, he's going to be. seems fair enough, but. Yeah, I just I would be pretty surprised if he was top pair defenseman. I mean, I guess he is only twenty. It feels like he's been drafted for like five years. Yeah, but, it does feel like forever ago. Eh? But yeah, I don't know. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I, like I don't hate their blue line by any means. I think they probably still need to get a little younger with some of them. But like, yeah. like I don't mind Ben Hutton. I like Hutton, but he's twenty six already. So like, if you're building a team to really go forward with, I mean. You got, what, four more years of him? Yeah, it's not like he's a young stud or anything. No. But I really like Troy Stetcher. Yeah, I mean, again, he's 25. Like, you have enough for a while, but then you 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 will eventually need to start figuring it out. But that's okay. Like, you can see what the Leafs are about to do with Lilligren and Sandine. Uh, Gardner's going to go, and I think I think Sandine will be the guy who comes up. He's been playing huge minutes for them in their playoff run. Yeah, they were double-shifting him. So I, I would assume he starts next year with them, and then the year after that, I wouldn't be surprised to see Jake Muzzin go and... Timothy Lilly are going to come up. Coming up. So, uh, and that's... They the, better hope they're able to come up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, because they're going to be in some big trouble if those guys aren't ready. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's all I want to say. I, I think Vancouver, especially with another... What do they have? The eighth overall pick this year? Or is it a little lower? Edmonton's eight. I know that. I'm not entirely sure where Vancouver picks. 
It's got to be top 10. It's definitely top 10, because they, they fell a lot by the end. Uh, sorry, guys. Standings. Anyways, another top pick this year will be huge. Yeah, Benning has his faults, but if there's one place I would be confident in, well, it's they, probably the draft table. They're fourth worst in their division with 81 points. That is a terrible division. Though. But that's still worse than anyone else in the Central. And then New Jersey, the Rangers, all had less than them, or both had less than them, and then Ottawa, Red Wings, Sabres had less than them. So that makes them what? Five? So ninth, I think? Yeah, 9 or 10. 9 or 10. I don't know, like a ninth or 10th pick, that, that obviously won't be ready for next year, but uh, good to add going forward, right? Like, Yeah, and like I said, if if there's one place where you should have faith in Jim Benning as a Canucks fan, it's the draft table. Yeah, he's clearly shown, I mean, I guess Ulevi hasn't been worked out quite as they wanted, but I mean, he's had a lot of hits, especially Pedersen at four. It looks like that could be the steal of the draft at fourth overall, which is wild, but... Uh, yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't Yeah, yeah, Besser. I mean, even like the later round guys. Like, uh, forgive me, I forget who they took. They have a couple guys just in their minor league system that look like they could be some kind of player eventually, and they got them in rounds two to four or whatever, right? So, uh, yeah, ben, Benning is. If there's one place that uh, Benning has done a fair job, and he should probably just be doing that job. It's drafting. <laughs> should probably uh, just be doing that job. Godovich was another one. And Cole Lynn even looks pretty good too. Like yeah, both those guys. Ones. Jet Wu isn't bad. Yeah, like but yeah. So those guys were all later round picks, which I mean, good for them. Uh, Michael DiPietro looks like another good one. Yes, yeah, safe as a goalie prospect yeah. can be. And so yeah, I don't. Know. I just want to point that out. Uh, give a non playoff team some love, maybe. And uh, yeah, we'll be back probably next week. I would assume depends how busy work is, I guess, and how much hockey we get to see. Uh, and, and if there's news, I mean, we weren't really planning to do one last week, but uh, the Kadri suspension, the Joe th- Jumbo Joe suspension, just everything kind of happened. A couple sweeps, A couple too. sweeps, so we figured we should. So we'll see how much news there is, but uh, yeah, either next week or the week after that when round two is done to give you a round three preview. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. You can find this, obviously, on iTunes, Spotify, everything. Uh, yeah, if you have any feedback, either leave a review or let us know on Twitter. I'm at NHL Send and Stuff, Chase at CMHockey66. We always like hearing thoughts and, you know, what we can change or do better or what you like about the podcast. So, yeah, thank you everyone for listening, and we will see you guys next time.